You are listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud, conversations about trauma and healing from two women who are doing the work. My name is Jeremiah Jones, and I am the producer of this podcast. In this episode, Cher re-engages Candace's story of a time she felt profound fear and dread as an eight-year-old girl. Telling our past stories of harm with an attuned listener is the pathway to healing and freedom. It's not always easy, only necessary if we want to experience the deep goodness of being seen, known, and loved. Hi, Cher. Hey, Candice. How are you today? I'm doing good. I'm excited about going back into a little bit of my story and what we talked about last week through that. Yeah, I am too. Really looking forward to being with you today and just talking a little bit further about some of the themes that came up, some of the things that we noticed as we went through that, some things that we want to just talk a little bit further today with our listeners about. I'm just noticing that it feels good to feel excited about it because I I know now of the goodness that comes when we re-engage a story. And that's different from the beginning. Like I, I don't feel that terror yeah. of, of exposing this story. Mm. And that's because of the work that I've been doing with it in the last few years. Yeah. I love that so much. And I, it's kind of where I wanted to start today. Yeah. I'm going to take a little bit more of the seat of an interviewer. I, I mean, we'll engage for sure, but I, I have a few questions that I want to visit as we kind of process last week. And the first thing I really wanted to ask you was now almost a week later, since we recorded that, are you noticing anything that has felt different to you? Any areas where you have pondered, maybe just a new awareness or a sense of relief or any, anything. And if not, that's okay. But anything that kind of feels noticeable after our time last week? Yeah. I think that I, I began thinking about the idea of that feeling of dread and how it was pretty consistent throughout, you know, my life of just these moments of just feeling dread and how that has lessened so much you know, especially over these last few years, because I didn't even know really what it was, where it was coming from. It was just one of those sensations that I, I didn't know what to do with, or I didn't even notice it to the degree that I am now. But now, since I notice that I can care for it and I can tend to it. Yeah. The other thing that came up for me is, and we've talked about this in previous episodes, the idea that sharing this story publicly, not for the purpose of bringing any kind of shame to those who are involved in the story, you know, being able as an adult to look back and we can know and understand and even feel compassion that our parents had stories too. And at the time, you know, if they hadn't received the kind of care that we are receiving today, they would have still been showing up in their places of harm. And we know that if, if we have places of harm that we don't get healed, we can actually even cause pain out of those. Yeah. Pain to ourselves, pain to others. Yes. Yeah. And to say it very bluntly, like we are not here to blame anyone. Mm -hmm. We are here to name our stories with integrity. And mostly we do that in private. 
we are just giving some glimpses here to allow our listeners to have a very brief experience of story work. But the reality is in order for us to name our stories with integrity, we do have to talk about the other characters in the story. It's not for the purpose of blaming, but it is for the purpose of our own healing. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the like for, for darkness to flee, for darkness to dissipate, it needs light. Yeah. And so we are bringing light to these stories, mostly one-on-one or in our small group. Mm -hmm. Right. I hope that by us doing this publicly, yeah, it could stir some curiosity for some of our listeners of what would it be like to be able to share my story with someone who could really attune to me. Absolutely. Because we know the power of this kind of transformational work. Mm-hmm. It's changed our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to jump in a little bit to kind of processing through a little bit of the dynamics of our story engagement last week. I felt as we went into that story and I had read the story, you had sent it to me the day before and I had had the opportunity to read through it a few times. And the thing that I felt coming into our story engagement was that I wanted your little girl to not feel alone Mm -hmm. as you brought that story. And I wanted to really attune to her and I want us to just talk a little bit about attunement. Mm -hmm. I think where I'd like to start is for you to talk a little bit about what it felt for you to be attuned to in the context of your story. And then maybe we can step back a little bit and talk about what is it attunement really and why is it important? When I think of attunement, I also think of like what empathy, you know, entails. So it's not this that somebody feels sorry for you mm-hmm. or someone is even sorry mm-hmm. though they can be it's more of knowing that this person gets my inner world knowing that the and it's not even just knowing that they get it it's experiencing my body that they are with me in it mm-hmm. so it it would be like that feeling of not an outsider that's maybe a spectator, but somebody that's in the inner circle of that moment and actually can feel some of the same feelings that I would have felt back then. Yeah. And as we engaged your story last week and I moved toward you in that way, how, how did that feel? And, and even how does it feel a week later? How does it feel to you? What? Yeah. I'll just leave it there. How does it, how did it feel? How does it feel to you? Mm-hmm. It feels kind. Mm-hmm. It feels kind when I think of someone else seeing, believing, and knowing that I needed someone to help me in that moment. Yeah. And though the care that's offered today isn't real time. It still counts. It mm-hmm. still matters. And it's still powerful in terms of moving trauma out of my body. 
which is another aspect that I want to talk about. I think we can go here because these two really do go hand in hand. But I noticed as I watched the recording of, of our engagement, how many times I asked you what you were feeling in your body. I didn't know. I didn't recognize during the session that I asked you, but I must have asked you four times, what, what are you feeling in your body? And so I love that you are naming that because the part of our healing process is becoming aware of the sensations in our body during those moments of trauma. And then it is those bodily sensations that often stay with us and can have the power to really drive behavior. So that's a lot, but I want to just come back to that because you mentioned that about feeling how good it was to, to just be able to feel the sensations in, in the context of kindness. Well, yeah, because trauma, when trauma is occurring, there is no resolve. And that that's part of the trauma is that it, it literally gets stuck because there's no resolve. Like there's no working through or working out. It just becomes kind of frozen. And then we have to find ways. We do find ways to regulate or to self-soothe, good or bad. But, but even that doesn't necessarily attach to the story where we need care, kindness, and compassion. Like we can learn to regulate our nervous systems. But even if we can just regulate our nervous system, we still long for that element of not feeling alone and having compassionate eyes on us. I'm thinking about the four S's, to be seen, to be soothed, to feel like you are safe and secure. And this is so important in this process of story engagement as we peel back the layers and look at the Trump, the traumatic stories in that moment when we feel the presence of eyes that see us mm-hmm. and are moving toward us and are naming mm-hmm. some of the, the truth of mm-hmm. what ha- happened, but seeing and then soothing mm-hmm. somebody that is, is soothing us. And, you know, so yeah, as, as you are talking about this, that's what I hear you talking about, the four S's. Mm-hmm. And there's even complexity in that space because of how our stories of harm, of being harmed, initially our, our perception was, is that there was kindness being offered to us. Mm. And, and so even the idea of I'm coming into a group or a person that is hearing my story and then offering kindness, it, it can feel a little disorienting because we don't know if we trust kindness because kindness means that somebody wants something from us. And that's why, you know, we've said this and we'll keep saying it. It's so important who we share our stories with. There is safety in somebody that has an awareness of these complexities when you're talking about trauma. Mm-hmm. And it is why people will say that they were re-traumatized in therapy. Or with anyone who moved toward our stories of harm and then used it to bring further harm. Yes. Which is definitely something that 
probably we all, we all have mm-hmm. experienced. I, I experienced it for sure. Sharing some things with someone who I thought knew the path that would bring more healing, but ended up bringing the twist that then just brought tremendous harm. There's risk though, right? Like we never know. And especially when we start doing this work, we probably don't fully trust anyone. It, it is risky always to, to bring these stories with the hope that they will be held with love and honor and, and goodness and kindness. Yeah. I wonder, I have a question for you. Can I interview you for a second? Yeah, absolutely. So we've been in our story group for a little over two years now, the same women. Can you identify at what point you did start to experience some safety and security in, in being able to trust our story group? Like how long did that take? And what was that like for you? It was a process for sure. You know, and the thing that really jumps off the page is there was a moment when there was some rupture and it, it was a rupture over something that was kind of small. And I was the one who, who caused, you know, the, the, the rupture. It, it wasn't a big rupture, but I felt that I had done something wrong. And then there was actually even some correction that was spoken that just sent me really spinning. I mean, fear and terror came to the forefront because, you know, I just felt like I'm going to lose these people who have come to mean so much to me. In my prefrontal cortex, I knew this, is, this isn't a big thing. This is a small thing. But in my limbic brain and in my body, I mean, I was terrified. And we processed it together in real time. And I was invited to share what I was feeling. And I felt really heard mm. and really cared for. And you know, I was able to not only bring my apology, but to have it be received in the context of people who saw what was going on in me that drove the behavior that was just so reactionary for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that experience was kind of a tipping point for me where I started to believe these women, they love me. They care about me. Even if they see my ugly, Mm -hmm. they are not going to turn and run from me. And that is what I really, Mm -hmm. for a minute, that is what I really thought was going to happen. Yeah. And we went on to have other different types of ruptures always circling back around to really good repair Mm -hmm. that has helped us all feel as much as we can seen, soothed, safe, and secure, right? Which has in multiple ways for each one of us played into the healing of our trauma. Yeah. And I think what's jumping out at me is when we come up against those kind of situations, like everything else stops. We slow everything down. Mm. We carefully move toward it. And I think that's also so important in this work with trauma. I noticed as I watched the, the recording from last week, how slowly I went. And as I was watching it, there were a few times that I almost was kind of like, you know, come on, get a move on. there. <laughs> but I think in, in, in real time, 
there was something in me that knew I wanted to go really slowly with you in that place and in that story. And, and how, when we are looking at and, and, and re-entering our stories of trauma, we won't find healing. If we move fast, we do find healing when we go slow and we peel back the deeper levels and find out where the wounds are that have been hidden for so long. I want to name something about my journey of going slow. So I typically have was wired to go fast, to get to point A to point B as fast as you can. I didn't even realize how a lot of that was even a, a trauma response. You know, it I could name it as, a, you know, maybe uh, efficient or being able to push through. And like it almost it felt like a, a good thing until I realized it was just kind of one of my ways not to deal. And so what's happened for me in the last two years, which has not been comfortable for me at all, is that as I've slowed way down and continue to be aware of that, it feels disorienting because I felt more confident when I could go fast and articulate and this slowing down. There's times I'm like, I'll listen to our podcast and I'm like, who are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, but, but the beauty of it is even though it feels uncomfortable and disorienting, and there's a part of like the way I used to show up felt better. This is more healing for me. And I, I want healing. Yeah. I don't want to just show up yeah, and do my thing. Well, and it comes back to that reality that especially when we were in context where there was repeated trauma and then we developed developmental trauma and complex PTSD. And we also developed gifts that we, things that we became very good at that were a result of living in that place, living in that context. Mm -hmm. And it's things like you're talking about, right? It's like being able to be efficient and quick and articulate, like those are gifts that also came forth from the places of your harm. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, and, and, and those, the list of the ways that we can be gifted is, is vast. And we could really do an episode on that. They're gifts and they're even applauded by the world around us because they're values in our society. And yet for us, they are coping mechanisms. Mm, good point, Cher. Yeah, they're the ways that we, when when we feel certain sensations in our body, we immediately jump into that way of relating, and it's all subconscious, really, but we jump into that way of relating because that way of relating keeps us away from feeling the pain or the discomfort or the sensations that are going on in our body. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Those are thoughts that I hope inspire our listeners to really think about whether your coping mechanism would be to get into hyper arousal or to go more into hypo arousal and, and shut down. They're, they're all coping mechanisms. Exactly. Yeah. And I want to just make the clarity that I'm not sure we've used the word arousal too often on our podcast, but hyper arousal just means high energy. Mm -hmm. Hype O arousal means like low energy, like when we just go more toward, you know, distancing or shutting down and, and which, you know, we have 
probably a tendency toward which direction that we go. And it, it, it is about being able to cope. It, these are the ways that we survived what felt impossible to us yeah. as children. So again, I wanted to say, you know, a lot of what we're talking about here is the sensations that we feel in our body because of trauma and how we will work to avoid having to feel them. Mm -hmm. And, and it's subconscious, but it's, it's the way that our brain and our body has coped with feelings that feel dangerous. And so when our body feels those sensations, we immediately go into some, some aspect of coping behavior, many of which are wonderful to the world around us, but don't enable us to really find healing for those places where the deep wounds are. But this is a hard thing to kind of wrap our, our arms around because our automatic response when these feelings come up is really to distance from them. So part of what we're doing in story work is we're learning how to stay present when the sensations come up, when these strong emotions come up so that we can actually go toward the wounds and find the healing rather than just continue in our, in our ways of coping that, that work at some level, keep us stuck, stuck in our pain. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very true. It's worth it to have the conversations because part, part of our healing is education, understanding. Education alone doesn't heal us, but it can reveal the tools that we need to more move towards healing. And when I say healing, I want to just say being able to tap into who you truly are and show up in your highest self. You know, we, we believe that, you know, our faith that we were created by a God who loves us and has a plan for us is, is part of our grounding in that. Yeah. That, that though we don't understand mm -hmm. our story's not over. Yeah. To, and then to be able to live lives where we can show up and be courageous and mm -hmm. free and wild and, you know, just fully alive, not, yeah, not perfect, but moving toward that. And, and that's uh, beautiful. And yeah. that's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we're talking about what we're talking about today. And I just want to say, Candice, as we wind um, this down, thanks for re-entering your story again with us today and for being able to just kind of talk through some of these dynamics in ways that, of course, we hope that will be so helpful for our listeners as maybe they begin to contemplate moving toward doing some story work to bring healing in their own lives. Yes. Yeah. It's so good to be with you. And I'm, I'm just even going to soak in the goodness of taking more time to go back into my story this week. Yeah. Good. I love that. So good to be with you too, friend. And um, yeah, I love you. I love you too, Cher. Thank you for listening to Processing Trauma Out Loud. Make sure to check out the show notes for links to suggested resources and social media, like subscribe and follow to keep up with our weekly content. And if you don't mind, take a moment to rate and review us. Your feedback is extremely valuable and contributes to the success of this podcast. Music was created by Caleb Paxton and our sound engineer is Jeremiah Jones of Auditory LLC. We welcome you to join us for more conversations soon.
Take care. <laughs>